The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 99 and it is a taste of 2020. And today I am joined for the first time on the show here by a contributor at Voices of Wrestling. It's John Hernandez. Hello, John. Hey, Andrew. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, just basking in the post-Christmas glow uh, and uh, enjoying the fact that I didn't have to go anywhere for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, I don't go anywhere on Christmas anyway because I'm Jewish. So I oh, usually just... Me too. My, my, oh, really? My girlfriend's not. So I, I got Christmas back. Well, also, my, my dad wasn't Jewish either. So I always got a taste of both. But I didn't know I had a... Uh, a fellow Jew in here. Hell yeah. <laughs> the last name might throw people off, but... I'll be honest, as, it did. It did. <laughs> as you know, it's your mother who counts. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll bask in the post-Hanukkah glow. How about that? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but but yeah, I'm glad you're here. Absolutely. Uh, making your debut. Um, I, I know when I asked you to be on here, uh, you were like, I, I don't really know that many themes all that well, but, but listen... You don't need to be an expert to be good on this show. And I'm proof of that. You know, just yeah. just be cute and, and full of gumption and you'll do okay. I'll do my best. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Uh, well, since this is your first time on the show here, John, I'll ask you this. Um, how did you become a wrestling fan? Um, I was – my dad was a big wrestling fan. Uh, so, I don't know. Whole, you know, late WWF Hogan is about where I jump in. Big Hogan guy. I follow him over to WCW. All the while, I've got my dad over my shoulder telling me how Pedro Morales was better than all these guys. Uh, and then, you know, WCW uh, and the and the video games lead me to Japanese wrestling over time. Uh, but yeah, I was a big Nitro kid, then the Attitude Era. Somewhere after high school, I drop out for a bit, and now uh, here I am, obsessed with wrestling again. <laughs> And uh, has music played a big part in your fandom at all? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Earlier, when you were when when I when I said I was uh, a little in the dark about these current theme songs, it's because it's my uh, it's the old man gene in me. Uh, I think wrestling theme songs used to be so much better and so much more distinct, and now I think they all kind of sound the same. But in the day. Uh, you know, I was like an encyclopedia of wrestling themes. I knew every second of everybody's theme because they were so huge feeling. So yeah, I think it's a huge part of my fandom. 
while you say all that, and I guess now I'm glad I brought you on an episode that has nothing but current themes. Like, <laughs> I like the old days better, damn it. Uh, hey, look at my board, John. The, the 2020 episode. <laughs> Here's 10 current theme songs. Yeah, these very, very current themes. <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, anyway, uh, this is the first of three big episodes here because uh, the next one is episode 100. And the one after that is the fourth anniversary show. But we're getting the ball rolling uh, with our yearly wrap-up episode that looks at themes that debuted in wrestling this year. I call it A Taste of 2020 because it's just a taste. It's not a full list of songs. It's just a sampling. Um, And you know, 2020, I gotta say, tasted pretty bad, John, right? Oh, certainly, certainly. I I think if I could sum up this year, uh, it would be in the immortal words of Kenta, what the fuck is this? What the fuck? <laughs> like, just the dirt worst year in so many ways. Like, between the pandemic fucking things up for people and promotions shutting down, uh, travel restrictions, um, the mass firings from WWE, uh, speaking out, of course, and, um, and and worst of all, the deaths. Uh, we're actually recording this the day after Brody Lee's passing. And it's just... It's awful that, that someone so beloved by literally everyone could die so young at, at 41 years old. I mean, and and the same is true for, you know, Shad Gaspard. The same is true for Hannah Kimura, you know, Larry Zonka, Casey Michael, uh, Danny Havoc, Xavier, Mitch Ryder, Justice Payne, all, all the deaths, you know, Tracy Smothers, LaParka too, um, Pat Patterson, Animal, Howard Finkel, the list goes on and on. This was um, this was a real gutting year for a lot of reasons, John. You know, yeah. Uh, hearing you list them all like that, uh, I remember all those deaths, but I can't believe those were all uh, this year. And uh, especially, like you said, we're doing this. I we just found out last night about Brody and the the timing. I mean, there's no such thing as good timing for a death, but with Brody, the way things were all lining up, uh, you know, even through the through the pandemic i thought like brody was doing some of the best work of his life some of my favorite matches of his whole career uh had just like the 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 title match with moxley the the taking the tv the tnt title from cody all these things uh it's really a nightmare the whole year is a nightmare but really the cherry on top is brody last night unbelievable yeah, I mean, his last match was the dog collar match with Cody. And if you're going to have, like, a last match, you want it to be a great one. And that was a great last match. You know, we, we didn't know it was going to be his last match at the time, obviously. But I, I think there is at least some comfort that his last appearance on screen was having a kick-ass match with Cody. Um, but, but, but shit, man, I, I would have killed for, you know, ten more years, at least, of Brody Lee. And seeing, you know, all the tributes and all the kind words being said about him and how much he loved his family so much. And he was the nicest guy in the world. And it's just the fucking goddamn worst. It's, it's so the bad. Dirt worst. The dirt worst. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but like I said, this year was bad in a lot of ways. And it was the kind of year where there was a clear split between pre-COVID, where everything was going okay, and then post-COVID, where things took a turn and became not okay. And the stuff that came before in like January and February feels like a million years ago. You know, like Wrestle Kingdom 14 with a combined 70,000 people in the Tokyo Dome screaming their heads off. Like that seems so foreign to me now. 
Um, same with Edge's return at the Rumble and ROH like finding its footing again and AEW having all these hot crowds. Like in the same month, we were supposed to get Naito versus Hiromu and the Blood and Guts match, and then poof, gone just like that. I mean, it's it's been a real mind bender to think about the stuff that we were supposed to get um, or did get. And it seems like it was just, you know, forever ago. And it's across, you know, every company. Um, I was just on Omakase talking about, uh, you know, even when you dump on somewhere like All Japan, you forget that in February, All Japan seemed like the most exciting company in a lot of senses. Uh, or anytime, you know, before COVID, all like the blood and guts match. I forgot that even was a thing. And that was huge. I was so excited for that. Uh, and Wrestle Kingdom, forget it. I can't even believe that's from the same calendar year. Yeah, I think the important thing to remember is that despite this absolute dumpster fire of a year, um, there were some bright spots, you know, even after COVID hit. Like, my man Tomohiro Ishii just killing it all year long. Uh, Shingo Takagi being awesome. Hiromu being awesome. Uh, Go Shiyazaki and his legendary title reign in Noah. Uh, Dragon Gate having an amazing year. Um, you know, Kenny, the Bucks, Moxley, like... All the guys you can count on to be great were still great. And yeah, you have to put up with like clap crowds and empty arena and cinematic matches and Okada's stupid money clip and, <laughs> and evil and pretty much everything WWE. But uh, there was still some good and in some cases great in 2020. You just had to, you know, wade through the bullshit to find it. But it was there. Yeah, I think uh, and we're going to talk about him later. But I mean, even Katahika Nakajima. Uh, when you talk about his year, you're talking about mostly things that happened after COVID. And uh, it's like a world-class, like, top-tier year. Uh, and Dragon Gate, like you said, when we talk about, when everyone talks about what a year Dragon Gate's had, all the things they're talking about, all these, like, shocking events and memorable moments, they all happened after COVID. Uh, and AEW, it's been, regardless of what you think of them, you have to appreciate and admire how they've handled the pandemic. Uh, I mean, I, obviously there's the question of whether anyone should be running in America, but, um, you know, a lot of these places have done the best they can and made, you know, real moments despite, uh, this hellscape we're all living through. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, hopefully next year things can be a lot better. Um, I know you can't just change everything when the calendar hits January 1st, but, we can dream, John. We can dream. So We certainly can. Well, let's get to the themes here. Uh, we have 10 to talk about from a variety of promotions. Uh, some of the songs that debuted this year that I wanted to cover have not been released yet, which is a shame, but um, I think today's list is still a good selection, John. Yeah, yeah. I uh, And a lot of them were uh, themes that I hadn't even... We'll talk about one that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there is someone that I actually uh, garnered a new appreciation for, having dug a little deeper into them. Okay. So let's start off with New Japan, uh, the only New Japan theme of the episode. And it's for the ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi. He debuted a new version of his theme at Russell Kingdom 14 on night two. This is by Inosuke Kitamura off of NJPW Greatest Music 8. It's Love and Energy 2020 version. Go, 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 go
I got a fever, and the only prescription is more go ace. Uh, <laughs> so uh, love and energy, you know, the point of it when it debuted was to be bigger than high energy. You know, more over the top, more Tanahashi, rock and roll, super good guy, channeling the energy of the crowd. And the Go Ace chant was part of that. But when you add Go Ace, Go Ace to the intro ramp up, leading to an even bigger Go Ace, then you've just reached a new level of pure bombast. And it's so Tanahashi in how much of a spectacle the whole thing has become, John. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we started here, and everything you said really mirrors how I feel about Love and & Energy, and I love the direction they take the new one. I think Hiroshi Tanahashi is one of the last, like, real, like, magical pro wrestlers. He feels bigger than than pro wrestling. He feels, you know, he's, he's the ace of the universe. Uh, so... Even back when Love and Energy happened, I, I always liked this theme more than High Energy. High Energy felt like a human's theme song. <laughs> uh, Love and Energy feels like it's for this monster of a man. And this theme, uh, digging deeper into what makes this theme big and ridiculous, like the best pro wrestling theme should be, uh, is always the right move. Even, I think, like the, the big loud, the synths are mixed louder, I think. And I also love that he debuted this to. I believe the match with Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom, right? Yes, correct. And that's a match that is so Tanahashi. Like you throw him in there with an old legend that I think, like, even he has some like real reverence for. And those, like, I, I, I was just looking back at that match to put together some year-end stuff, and it's really like this collision of two giants that's so much bigger than the quality of the bell-to-bell match itself which was also just a very strong match on its own. But that sort of thing is like a testament to what a giant magical figure to me Tanahashi is in a way that no, not even Okada like is really touching yet. There's just so much history and depth to what that guy's done and how he presents himself. Uh, so yeah, I love this thing. It makes sense too that when Love and Energy debuted, the story was like midlife crisis Tanahashi trying to convince himself that he's still the ace and he's still hip and with it. Aren't I cool? Go ace! <laughs> and as we've gone on, Tanahashi has slowly gone further down the card and losing more and more in the G1 and losing more big matches. So with this one, it feels like his solution is to counterbalance that with just more go ace and with trumpets and to make the song busier and more extravagant than it was before to try to hold on to his place in the pecking order. Um, it doesn't help, mind you. He's still losing, but <laughs> I like to think that it's sucking him up in the process. Yeah, and I also think... Um, well, also, I mean, back when it debuted, he hadn't fallen off the cliff uh, in a kayfabe wins and losses sense the way he has now. But I also think he's beyond wins and losses, and the, the presentation's everything, and I think that will play largely into how uh, it comes off when uh, the great Okan beats him clean at Wrestle Kingdom uh, <laughs> in a week or two. Let me ask you this. What do you think of the trumpets? Because at first I was like, eh, on them being put in. But over time, I have gotten used to them. Um, so I, I wouldn't call this my favorite version of the song, but I don't dislike it either. Um. Well, earlier when I said they mixed the synths louder, I think I was 
mistaking those those trumpet stabs for big synth hits. And I, I mean, like a big thing, and I think I'll probably say something like this a lot as we go on, is I try not, I can't look at wrestling themes as this piece of music that I put on headphones. And I know a lot of people do, especially the New Japan themes, um, put on headphones and go like, go about my day listening to for enjoyment. These are primarily presentation pieces. And I think, I think the old love and energy is a more pleasant piece of music to listen to. But when I say this one's more obnoxious and those trumpets are a big part of it, I mean that in a positive sense. This song should be big and obnoxious. It's for the biggest presence in all of wrestling. Well said. Well said. Um, so yeah, best of luck to Tanahashi at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, he's going to need it because <laughs> there's a good chance he's doing the old J-O-B for Ocon there. So oh, uh, <laughs> best wishes, pal. <laughs> Up next, we'll move on to All Elite Wrestling. Uh, we just did an episode last time about AEW themes. We'll play a few more today, including the theme for Eddie Kingston, Patna. Eddie made his debut challenging for the TNT title against Cody, and he's been just awesome ever since. His theme is by Mikey Ruckus. This is called Cold World. Hey, you're the world. Mikey Ruckus describes this song as DMX meets Castlevania. And that's a pretty apt description because you have the gothic operatic organ music with the arpeggios that is right out of a Dracula story. And then you have the gruff, harsh, what? Uh, uh, of DMX style vocals over it. It makes for a fun combo. And I mentioned on the last episode that, you know, certain types of hip hop work for certain wrestlers. Eddie Kingston is a dangerous, scary, street tough who you do not want to fuck with. You need a rapper or a rap style that matches his vibe. And I'd say DMX fits the bill, Sean. Yeah, certainly. And, um, you know, DMX, I think, like, you know, DMX is from Yonkers, I think. And if I'm not mistaken, Kingston is from somewhere in the New York area, not far from Yonkers. Uh, and not only that, like... I'm glad we started here as far as uh, AEW themes go as well, because this one, I think, is a grand slam on so many levels. Uh, the Castlevania thing, that synth line is delicious. It is the tastiest synth line running through this thing, that like minor key arpeggio thing. And it's it's memorable right out the gate. It's perfect for Kingston. I also think like when those verses start, the guy kind of sounds like Be Real. Uh, which is appropriate for, like, I guess the time period that DMX is most prominently from. Uh, yeah, I think this this hits on all levels from uh, from very, like, 
distinctly, you, you can hear the lyrics very distinctly and they're very appropriate and they don't aim for too much. Uh, this thing's a slapper. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, he is from Yonkers. Oh, so you were cool. on the nose there. Um, but yeah, I agree. The music is really great. And, and lyrically, it's what you'd expect from a Kingston theme. Thrilla, ain't no second guessing, I'm a killer. Do what I got to to survive, get the Skrilla. This ain't no surprise, I don't need you, no Drilla. I'ma walk this life all alone, no filla. I don't know who you think you talking to, but I often use the left and right to put an end to fights, go from bark to bite, it's kill or be killed. Like he's not talking about, I'm doing this for the fans, yeah. No, this is a hard man who has lived a hard life, and he will take down anyone in his way. It is gritty, violent, it's bleak. Ain't nothing funny when you got no money and you hungry, never taking nothing from me. It's about to get ugly. This is not Scorpio Sky being like, I'm the next big star or private party doing shots in the club. It's about the harshness of real life. And that's Eddie's whole thing. Like, it's about bringing reality and real emotions into his work. That's what makes him so captivating. You know, it's about that realness and making you feel it. And this song does a good job of, you know, capturing that. Yeah, and uh, especially, I mean, it's appropriate for the timing. Um, how you know how recently uh, Eddie was going through uh, hardship before he landed in AEW. Even, I mean, I was watching the um, the ICW show where he cuts the promo where he calls out Cody, and I mean, I don't know how much behind the scenes was actually planned. I don't know if by then he already knew he was going to go get that TNT challenge or not, but it didn't seem like it. It seemed like the gnarliest promo, and it was like. The most Kingston way to get a job. Uh, and, you know, all this stuff about, you know, he was selling gear right before right before he, he gets the job. Uh, he AEW. sold his boots. Yeah. Right. And, you know, recently I've been going back and watching a lot of, um, a lot of, like, you know, the, the Indies 2005, 2006 in Kingston, in uh, Chikara, and especially in CCW. It's, it's incredible. He's the same exact guy. He, he's just as good then on the mic. He's better in the ring now, probably. Uh, and it's the same guy, you know. And uh, it's like, like you said, like the lyrics. This could have been his song 15 years ago, and it would have been just as appropriate. Mm. And there's an especially personal element too with the hook of the song. The world is cold, better bundle up. That is something Eddie's dad would tell him as a kid. And last time I mentioned that. Mikey Ruckus, you know, collaborates with AEW wrestlers on their themes sometimes. So I can just imagine, you know, Eddie telling him that line and a song being built around it. Uh, so it's cool that there is that personal connection there with the song, which is, again, Eddie's, you know, promo and character work relies so much on his personal life. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that that's actually a thing. He fed Mikey Ruckus, as dad would say. That's a very cool detail. And I especially like that this... uh this theme doesn't waste any time getting right into that hook because that hook is powerful as hell. Um, and even more powerful now that I have that sort of context to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Eddie, he's just one of the bright spots of the year, really. I think, you know, the fact that not only did he get signed to AEW, but he made have ended a pay-per-view with Moxley for the world title. And it was awesome. Like <laughs> he, he is proof that if you are undeniable, you will not be denied. Yeah. And you know, I also think, What's, what's really great about Kingston, uh, especially now if you've been rooting for him for a long time, is, you know, AEW is a kind of divisive topic amongst internet wrestling fans. Uh, a lot of people will really go out of their way to dump on AEW, um, but nobody, I can't 
I can't find anyone saying that Eddie's work on the mic or in the ring has been anything less than a, a highlight uh, of the year. I mean, if you even look in, in the Voices of Wrestling Slack, there are uh, plenty of people who do not like AEW, but who will tune in to watch Eddie Kingston do something. Uh, so, you know, I'm thrilled for the guy, really. I think if anyone disparaged Eddie Kingston, um, he would find them and choke them out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's why no one shit talks Eddie Kingston, because he will find you. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly. Theme number three, and we'll go to the indies here, uh, namely Game Changer Wrestling. They've been the most prominent U.S. indie all year because of just sheer process of elimination, I guess. <laughs> no Evolve, no PWG, it's, it's just been them and a few others. And uh, one of the wrestlers that they featured a lot this year is ACH. ACH's theme in GCW is by rapper J. Cole. Off the album Revenge of the Dreamers 3, this is Middle Child. Niggas been counting me out, I'm counting my bullets, I'm loading my clips, I'm writing down names, I'm making a list, I'm checking it twice and I'm getting them hit, the real ones been dying, the fake ones is lit, the game is off balance, I'm back on my shit, the bitly is dirty, my sneakers is dirty, but that's how I like it, you all on my dick, I'm all in my bag, it's hard as it get, I do not store powder, I might take a sip, I might hit the blunt, but I'm liable to trip, I ain't popping no pill, but you do as you wish, I roll with some fiends, I love them to death, I got a few mil, but not all of them rich, what good is the bread if my niggas is broke, what good is first class if my niggas can't that's my next mission, that's why I can't quit Just like LeBron, get my niggas more chips Just put the rolly right back on my wrist This watch came from Drizzy, he gave me a gift Back when the rap game was praying like this To act like two legends cannot coexist But I never beef with a nigga for nothing If I smoke a rapper, it's gonna be legit It won't be for clout, it won't be for fame It won't be cause my shit ain't selling the same It won't be to sell you my latest little sneakers It won't be cause some niggas slid in my lane Everything grows, it's destined to change I love you little niggas, I'm glad that you came I hope that you scrape every dollar you came I hope you no money won't erase the pain to the ogs i'm thinking you now was watching you when you was paving the ground so i don't know much about j cole really um certainly loves throwing around the end bombs a lot i say <laughs> <laughs> more than this white boy is comfortable with that's for sure yeah but um, i've been waiting for you to uh to uh, do the thing where you read Get some lyrics back from this song. I've been licking my yeah, chops. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I avoided referencing those particular passages. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but um, but according to the good people at Genius.com, uh, this song is about J. Cole being the middle child of rap, someone in between the old generation and the new one. Uh, to quote the song, "I'm dead in the middle of two generations. I'm little bro and big bro all at once." And tying it to ACH, I can't speak for the man himself, but he seems to be in a similar situation right now, where he's back on the indie scene, and he used to be the young guy, but now he's the veteran to this new crop of young guys. But at the same time, he's not on the revered level of, say, an AJ Styles or Brian Danielson or Samoa Joe. He's, you know, somewhere in the middle. So I think this song does mean a little bit more than just being a cool hip-hop beat to come out to, John. Yeah, um, on so many levels, I think uh, ACH really nailed it with this pick. I mean, I don't think I've heard a J. Cole song since Forest, Hill Drive came out, Forest Hills Drive came out. That is, I don't know how long that's been. So shame on me. But um, this song rules, and it does a lot of things right as far as, as a wrestling theme. Um, it has this little pause. It takes a minute to pick up. It's got like the perfect spot for when you walk out from behind a curtain. And like you said, lyrically, it's really appropriate for 
how ACH re-entered the independent wrestling scene after his stint uh, in NXT. And, uh, you know, I actually, uh, when I, I was glad to see that Spotify has got the little, that lyrics thing uh, for this song where it guides you through uh, the lyrics, which is a real treat when you have to talk about a song on a podcast. Um, but yeah, like you said, um, you know, I think, I think a lot is made of Nicole's perception within hip hop and it's appropriate for ACH coming out uh, of NXT as kind of a mentor figure to some, as someone who went through a pretty, uh, a pretty uh, negative uh, period in his departure from uh, NXT. And uh, on the independent scene, when wrestlers are picking their own themes, a lot of them really make a lot of poor choices, but this one's a grand slam to me. Yeah, and I think it's important to recognize, too, that in the song, there's still that confidence level and that determination to be the best. To the OGs, I'm thanking you now. Was watching you when you was paving the ground. I copied your cadence. I mirrored your style. I studied the greats. I'm the greatest right now. Fuck if you feel me. You ain't got a choice. Now I ain't do no promo. Still made all that noise. This year gonna be different. I set my intentions. I promise to slap all that hate out your voice. So he's showing his love for the past, those who came before him, saying, I studied you, I copied you, but now he's his own man. He's now the greatest in his own way, whether you like it or not. You know, fuck if you feel me, you ain't got a choice. So a little aggression there too, and rightfully so, because again, you know, ACH, as you said, left WWE last year under very tumultuous circumstances, and we didn't know what was going to happen to him. Um, but this year he came back on the Indies more, and was in New Japan, USA, and he, he just he showed off that he is one of the best around, really. And he was able to overcome those past troubles. This year going to be different. I set my intentions. I promise to slap all that hate out your voice. Like, this was him making a statement. I am ACH. I am the best. And no one will doubt me anymore. So it's a very poignant message with those lines, John. There's more. There's, there's a bunch of specific instances where the lyrics, in a sense, kind of mirror um, the path. Uh, to get to where he is now. And uh, there's references to like possible beefs that could have happened between him and Drake and Kanye uh, in different instances. And he's talking about just letting that stuff go. He doesn't need to get involved in all that, which is, you know, in a way could be seen as a nod to him just letting the the big mess with NXT go behind him, especially the way some people came at him, I think very unfairly on the internet uh, when he was largely in the right. And, uh, you know, and then in the, I think there's a later verse where he talks about like 21 Savage. It's the kind of thing you were talking about, about him seeing himself as like a mentor figure. And, you know, like I said before, that is ACH and GCW. I'd say ACH is out there giving these like young kids their best matches and, uh, you know, then he's over in New Japan. Well, the, the American New Japan shows, you know, and he's over there. He's as he's a top tier talent. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's sprinkling his gift around the Indies and moving forward. And he's leaving a message for the younger generation too. Uh, money in your palm don't make you real. I mean, you know, we, we in the VOW Slack chat just bemoan all the time when, younger guys signed to WWE. I mean, it's, it's their choice, of course, and if they want to go there, then that's fine. But you see so many guys just sign at a young age and get put away in a warehouse in Florida or just get booked as shit or 
they become a ninja or whatever. But <laughs> and, and ACH, you know, he got that contract. He got that dream. But all it took was just one bad racist t-shirt. And he was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm out. Fuck the money. Fuck the fame. I don't need this. And he stuck to his guns and he left. And I know that, you know, pandemics do make stuff like that tricky, of course. And money is a lot tighter these days. But overall, I think it is a good thing to remember that your own happiness and your own personal wealth are not always linked to how much money you have. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's easy to... uh to make the joke that young wrestlers going into WWE's early retirement. And, you know, there's a lot, in a lot of ways, WWE is an evil empire, but, uh, still ACH leaving and doing what was right for him, uh, makes him, you know, it, 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 it earned him a great deal of respect. I think from anyone who's still following his career, especially people who were hoping he'd come back someday from, uh, what I think we in the voices of wrestling slack call, early retirement (laughs) (laughs) well it's time to go to said evil empire wwe and uh, unlike last year wwe actually put out music again uh, including this theme for johnny gargano gargano got a new theme in 2020 Uh, this is by def rebel featuring garrick and sergio veneno v12 it's called coming back for you Heel Gargano needs a heel theme because Rebel Heart is way too babyface of a song. And there's a little bit of cleverness to this one because it begins with the same percussion beat as the one in Rebel Heart. But then it powers down because it's evil and dark. And then the dramatic choir singer and the dingy new metal come in. You know what it reminds me of? Kind of like later era Linkin Park where they got more theatrical with it. Which makes sense, because Gargano is a very theatrical kind of guy. Uh, so this is right up his alley, John. Yeah, you know, um, it's I'm, I'm glad you brought up that Linkin Park thing, because more than once in these themes, I felt like uh, there was a part that I call the Chester Bennington part, <laughs> um, where like a voice comes in where I'm like, oh, they're doing a Chester Bennington. Um, I'm making a loud voice now. Yeah, and it's that held out. everyone. The Chester. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm glad we started with three themes that I love because this one, I think, is, uh, a swirling toilet of a theme. And, uh, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I, I, I think it's clever to have those same, um, percussive hits from the beginning of Rebel Heart. And from there, I think it's so on the nose, it's, you know, it's very appropriate for the WWE, I suppose. Um... <laughs> I think this theme is so butt-rocky and dark. So I I haven't been watching NXT 
since not far into the COVID no fans era. So I don't know how dark and spooky Johnny Gargano has become, but I can't imagine he's become so dark and spooky this theme is appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's him. <laughs> well, he has been hanging around with the uh, the ghost face from the Scream movies, which oh, is pretty I, spooky, I guess. I take it all back. That's about as dark and spooky as you get. Oh, I heard there's like four of those now. Is that true? Uh, I believe they're all unmasked now as oh. uh, as Austin Theory and Indy Hartwell. But there was a time when there was like ten of them interfering in a match at one point. I got to tell you, Andrew, now that I'm hearing those identities, it doesn't sound all that spooky to me. <laughs> and, you know, like, so, so Rebel Heart, I thought, was... A fun um, nod to early Paramore that I think made a bad wrestling theme. Uh, I think it just sounded like an okay song with no wrestler identity. It didn't feel like a wrestler to me. Um, And this went too far in the opposite direction. Uh, This was just like... and, 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 And the vocals, when the lyrics are referencing Rebel Heart, are so deep and butt rocky that I don't know how you're even supposed to decipher what's happening. If I didn't have a neatly curated document from you, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on in this song. Um, I do think later it becomes like when the there's like synths that come in, these deep like these deep like bassy string synths that come in, it kind of sounds like the good parts of later AFI. And I think maybe if it just began there, I'd like it more. But uh this theme is one of those ones that I'm talking about uh, when I say wrestling themes have all started to blend to me. Well, it's one of those things that Rich and Joe talk about all the time, you know, where NXT is just so thick and heavy and full of emotion and melodrama. And the lyrics, there aren't that many, but no heart, no soul. You sealed your fate. I'm coming back for you. Obviously, the heart and rebel heart connection is there, but the way it's sung and the ah, is so melodramatic and dark and emotionally oomph that I think it works as a heel Gargano theme and a theme for this you know current incarnation of NXT. Um, not the most standout song, sure, but it fits that environment at least. Yeah, but you know, I think every theme in NXT that I can think of off the top of my head either does this or some like shot at some other contemporary kind of like rock music that either misses the mark or doesn't try hard enough to be like a wrestling theme, like, like rebel heart or even the old Sammy theme. The old Sammy theme was like if aliens heard scoff for 10 seconds and tried to make their own version. Uh, And I think everything, the only one I can think of that felt like a, wrestling theme and everyone loves it and there's a reason for it is um bobby roots and i can't think of another nxt theme that i think really has ever nailed it well those were all by cfos and uh they're gone now so (laughs) we're dealing with def rebel here and you know i I did prefer cfos overall i think Uh, they had their faults sure but to me the thing about def rebel is that so much of what they do has that polished production library sound that feels very generic like you look on Spotify or whatever, and there's an album called, like, This Is Epic or Explosive Moments or something like that, yeah, right. where it sounds like music you'd put in a specific scene or mood in a movie or trailer. No real personalization or whatever, just basic music to drag and drop in. A lot of their music does sound like that. And this does have some of that, too, 
But for whatever reason, I, I do like this one a little bit more than others. Um, though I do prefer Rebel Heart over this one. I think I agree with you that I prefer Rebel Heart to this because I think at least Rebel Heart was, you know, had a had something that sticks with you about it. Uh, if you played me this without that intro that calls back to Rebel Heart, there's nothing about it that screams to me Johnny Gargano or even any particular wrestler. It just feels like, like you said, like it just folds into the soup of noise that comes out of NXT. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will point out too that uh, Candice LeRae's theme, when she turned heel, it's called Wicked Enchantment. And it's basically the same as Johnny's theme. A similar melody, same choir even. But the big difference is that it's like a creepy music box version of the song. interesting that you know a husband and wife have similar themes like that um but again not a ton of you know individuality in that case too so yeah but even even if it was calling uh if it was pulling from a more distinct thing i think even that'd be cool i mean and honestly again i have I've, I've been way in and out most of my nxt exposure has been one or two uh recommended matches and twitter gifts for the last six months maybe but how spooky has candace LeRae become <laughs> come on how i don't i don't care what you tell me i'm not buying uh, a spooky theme suiting candace LeRae. well she's got like purple hair now and darker makeup which looks a little creepy i guess but um overall no she's not a spooky person um she's like gargano where she's like a a goofy nefarious heel pretty much yeah i mean that i believe <laughs> <laughs> in a good way goofy candace LeRae, i'm all about it in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. 
you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the Slab Pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great Slab Packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club Slab Packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voice of wrestling podcast network the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So I mentioned earlier about uh, WWE cutting a lot of people this year, and uh, two of them were Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, the Good Brothers. And the place that they ended up was in Impact Wrestling, where they are the current tag team champions. Uh, Their theme song is by Kubrick. It's called Devil in Your Six. The devil lay in the distance in your six I sold my soul years ago so I could be rich yesterday seems so far away with my back against the bricks and the devil in your six Devil in your six With the devil in your six So the Good Brothers built their brand, their talking shop brand or whatever, on wink wink nudge nudge bullshit. And this song does feel like wink wink nudge nudge bullshit i mean it starts off with the sound of a beer can opening and being poured like that tells you right away that these guys like to you know do what they want and and take the piss i mean even the choice of genre the southern dirt road cowboy i got whiskey and the devil in my soul and all that bullshit like it's so blatantly stereotypical that it feels like it's being done you know on purpose Um, do you feel that way john i do but i feel like if we're executed 
better, that would be appropriate. Um, I think the tone here is a little goofy and on the nose, but that's okay. Um, even down to the beer can opening, because at this point, the Talkin' Shop brand and their, like, comedy is a bigger piece of the Gallows and Anderson brand, the, the, the big picture of their brand, than I think their, their work in the ring. Um, that said, I don't think this song nails it. <laughs> I think, uh... So even if you look back at their old themes, like there's always this like outlaw vibe to them, right? From the old uh, Bullet Club theme they'd come out to, to um, the WWE theme. Um, so what was that called? Something in the, in the sky, Omen in the sky or something? Omen in the sky. Right. So that was a little goofy, but it's the same kind of vibe. Um, this one feels like it's like halfway done almost. There's no dynamic to it. When that verse ends and you think it's going to pick up, nothing happens. Um, it's mixed in this, like, middle ground where it's, like, this, like, put-together Pro Tools, like, percussion that's really, like, buried in what is supposed to be this, like, southerny rocker, I feel like. And then even when, like, every time you think something cool is going to happen, like a big guitar solo... The guitar feels like it was either played by like a kid in high school who just learned or it was played on like a Casio keyboard. Um, I don't know. Wasn't feeling it. Do you are you into this one? Um, I'm of two minds about it. Like, on the one hand, I agree. This song is just it's not good. Like, <laughs> it, it feels rather, you know, blase and low on energy. And like you said, it feels incomplete at times. Like, this is just a rough draft. And they're mucking along trying to, you know, figure it out. Like the vocals, you know, the, the flow feels very loosey-goosey in a bad way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, the lyrics, I think, make more sense if you know them and their whole vibe. Because, from my reading of it anyway, it's about them leaving WWE. That's who the devil is. The devil ain't in my distance, he's in your six. I sold my soul years ago so I could be rich. You know, the story goes that Gallows and Anderson left New Japan and went to WWE. They sold their souls. And when it came time to re-up last year, they got these, you know, big fat pay raises. So they wouldn't go to AEW. And then the pandemic happened and, oop, letting you go. Bye-bye. So WWE, the devil, is now in their six, meaning it's behind them. And they're off to, you know, new ventures. And, and since leaving, they have not been shy about expressing their disappointment with WWE. So why not do it in the theme song too? Um, maybe not explicitly, sure, but you can read it that way. Um, but but yeah, on the whole, the quality is, is not that good. So the vibe, I think, makes sense. The whole we're free man, we've escaped the devil, I think that works. But like you said, this could have been done a lot better. Yeah, and the, and the thing with the lyrics that I never would have caught if I didn't open the lyric page and I never should catch because I never should have to dig this deep into a, a wrestling theme is that it's telling a story. It's got a narrative, um, which is interesting at the end. Um, as soon as I hit South 95, looked in the rear you cannot believe my eyes. There was the devil sitting in the driver's side. You know, the devil is me or whatever. That's the twist, right? So that's wild. Uh, that's, what two minutes 15 seconds into the song i pray gallows has dragged his ass into the ring by that point <laughs> <laughs> and even even um 
in the second verse, it sounds like they just like ran out of uh, ran out of uh, of ideas. Like, uh, I punched the devil square in the eyes. He went down, and I swear I heard cries. What? <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets, uh, I grab my key. Oh, my favorite part. My favorite. I love part. this too. Yeah. <laughs> Grab his keys, headed for the door. How, I don't know if I can get the cadence of this right, but like, uh, I grabbed his keys and I ran for the door. Hit me with that next line. Hopped in his jeep and headed down to Florida. Yeah, what the hell is that? <laughs> Never mind that door and Florida don't rhyme. But but he, here's my question: Was the heading down to Florida line a reference to them going to AEW? Because AEW's headquarters are in Jacksonville. And Impact's headquarters are in Nashville. So I'm wondering if this song was written before they signed with Impact and we're still negotiating with AEW. And then they go to Impact and it's like, well, we can't change the song. It's too late. So <laughs> we're stuck with Florida now. So <laughs> what the hell am I going to do with this Florida line now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, uh, that's interesting. That would be interesting. And if I were AEW and um, Gallows and Anderson showed up and they were like, guess what? We brought our own theme music. Don't have to worry about it. And they showed me this shit. <laughs> like, hey, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm just going to put this over here. We'll, uh, we'll talk about this theme song later. Welcome aboard. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, what the, <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, this song doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. It reminds me a lot. The, the part that really is the most painful to me is you get this verse. It's kind of like dreary, you know, devil ain't my distance. He's in your six, sold my soul years ago so I could be rich. But then when he goes, uh, what's it? Yesterday seems so far away with my back against the bricks and the devil in your six. It's such a, it's this cool line. And you're like, all right, here we go. Now fucking hit me with it. And then nothing happens. <laughs> just nothing just a big load of nothing that's a very luke uh, gallows vibe i think <laughs> <laughs> i'm a luke gallows apologist oh really honestly, <laughs> i mean like if you if i think you're that cool i don't care what you do in the ring i think luke gallows is so funny that whatever like i'm a sucker for those two uh obviously like carl's the, the one you know carl rules gallows look he's He's done enough for me. I've been a fan of way less talented wrestlers than Luke Gallows, and they didn't even have funny podcasts. So, uh, and I'm not even watching Impact, and I definitely didn't watch the end of their WWE run. So, to me, they're just a podcast that I that I think is really good. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as personalities go, they're great for sure. But um, you know, I, I still have those flashbacks to the Doc Gallows G one years, and it's like, uh, buddy, just just stay in the tags, okay? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I never want to watch Gallows wrestle a singles match again in my life. But I mean, they've done a good job uh, attaching this cachet to themselves. Like, I know what I'm going to get if Anderson and Gallows show up in AEW, and I'm still excited for it. I mean, I I know objectively it's probably not going to be anything I care about. But they've attached such, like, there's still this aura around them that, I mean, for me, probably hasn't diminished because I haven't watched them in Impact. Like, I'm, I'm excited to have them show up in something I watch again. And that's even knowing it'll probably let me down. So, I don't know. Credit to them. By the way, uh, for those that don't know, uh, Kubrick is Rocky Romero. I wasn't so... sure if we were allowed to say that because you held off. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> well, he he did do Carl's last New Japan singles theme, Never Alone. Uh, he did the Bullet Club theme, Shot Him. 
He does the Talk and Shop podcast with them. So that's why he did the song, of course. Um, not his best work, I don't think. And um, I'm saying that because I love Rocky Romero same, so much. Same, yeah. But um, hopefully he's not listening. Uh, but <laughs> if he is, Rocky, we don't hate you. We love you. Your other work is good. Just we all have a miss every now and again. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Let's go back to AEW now with another theme here. Uh, this woman not officially signed to the company, but she did play a big role in the women's division through the back half of the year. It's Thunder Rosa, and her theme is also by Mikey Ruckus. It's called Blood and Glory. definitely the heaviest song of the episode. It's very intense and fast-paced, and it's especially brutal with those vocals, which are rather, you know, guttural and scary. Um, I believe Mikey Ruckus said he was going for a Sepultura feel with this one, which I can definitely see here. Um, not my cup of tea in terms of metal, but, uh, you know, Thunder Rosa is a very hard-hitting and intense wrestler, and uh, Sepultura ties into her Latin roots as well, so it definitely works as a theme for her, I think. Yeah, uh... There's there's things I like about it, and there's things I don't. Um, the Sepultura thing is a good point, but... Uh, and objectively, I think that is a cool detail and a way to attach it to Thunder Rosa. But uh, I think it's a miss, because Thunder Rosa hits you with so much to work with, even just in her appearance. Half her face is painted like a Dia de los Muertos uh, mask, you know what I mean? Like... There's so much character there, and I know there's that little bit of percussion in the chorus where he's um, repeating her name, but this this feels like it could have been anyone's theme, aside from the fact they're saying Thunder Rosa's name. I guess that would be difficult for somebody else, <laughs> but this feels like she gives you so much, and not only that, but she, as long as they are able to use her, she's going to be a centerpiece of that division. Um this seems like they could have really dug in a lot harder as something memorable, something that kicks in in a very memorable way and something that uses her character that she's blasting you with every time she's on screen a little more. Yeah. I see what you're saying for sure. Um, this is not the most dynamic song in the world that stands out above the rest. And the lyrics are your typical generic badass lyrics. Um, time to fight or fly. Got you gripped with fear. You're paralyzed. All of this is mine. I will get my hand raised every time. I set my sights on you. You kneel down and pray. And I can smell the fear in the air as I look your way. The point of no return. There ain't no coming back. The lights are cut. Touch the ropes. Induce a heart attack. 
Like, yeah, except for the many Thunder Rosa name drops, <laughs> these lyrics could be for anybody. So, not standing out much there. But I do like the title, Blood and Glory, because it does make me think of, like, ancient warriors on the battlefield fighting for blood and glory. And Rosa does have that throwback vibe to her with the Day of the Dead face paint. So, I do think the name does help, at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the title's cool, but, you know, at the end of the day... Like I said before, like I can't look at these as just pieces of music because that's not what they're used for. It just doesn't do anything for me as far as enhancing this wrestler, their character, or the vibe when they walk out for a match. And looking at the title, like I don't know the names of these themes. I do agree that it's a cool theme, a uh, cool uh, song name that is for the for Thunder Rosa, you know, but. I know, I'm a huge fan. I want more. <laughs> I demand more from my Thunder Rosa theme. Fair enough. I mean, you know, me personally, I don't expect every single wrestling theme to be a standout perfect banger. Like, on the last episode, we played a bunch of AEW themes that were perfect for the wrestlers and did fit their personalities and were memorable. And there were also themes that fit, but maybe weren't as memorable. And that's, to me, just the way it goes. Like, this song is just a badass metal theme and it doesn't bother me all that much that it's not anything more than that. It'd be cool if it was, sure, but it just, it is what it is to me, John. Like, it's just a badass theme for a badass wrestler. That's that's something I think about a lot, because when you look back at the Jim Johnson era, right? Like, I'm sure you're like me. You know every Mid-Carter's theme song. Um, and I know that's, like, the pinnacle, right? Like, uh, it doesn't get better than that. But when you look back, and it could be because, you know, we were kids then. I think you and I are around the same age or at least ballpark. Like, we're kids then, we probably just absorb everything. Wrestling's the world to us because there's nothing else to think about but wrestling. But I still think there's something to be said for me never forgetting some rando mid-Carter's theme uh, from back then. And the fact that I won't... I don't think anyone's going to feel that way about themes like this today. Um, and I think this theme is, like, the example. Uh, it's a great example of it. So... Like, I don't think, sure, you know, it's a piece of music for her to walk out to that's not offensive. But this really is what I'm talking about when I'm like, make them into something I can attach to the wrestler. Aside from saying their name a bunch of times, which does help. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I do see your point, And I do agree with you that I think overall themes were more memorable back then in a lot of ways. But I think that's a symptom of American companies relying so heavily on production libraries. Yeah. Um, or in Dev Rebel's case, sounding too much like a library themselves. Um, there is that, that loss of close, unique craftsmanship in certain places, I agree. Um, and now I'm thinking about uh, mid-card themes too, so <laughs> thanks for that. Yeah, you know, and make sure you bring me back for the 90s mid-carders episode. <laughs> I will, I will. I'll write you down right now, actually. <laughs> Bob Sparkplug Holly. He's all yours, pal. Oh, Sparkplug got like two good themes. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember them both. Uh, well, uh, I don't know if you were aware of this, John, as well, but uh, Rosa originally had a Bruce Springsteen gimmick. She was called Thunder Rosa. Folks! <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> Last pun of the year. There we go. <laughs> good stuff. And you know, I actually... Until you actually said thunder, I was like, 
oh no, I didn't know about the <laughs> gimmick. This sounds awesome. I fooled you. I, I fooled you. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Up next, we're going to go to Japan and look at the theme for Katsuhiko Nakajima, one of the top stars of pro wrestling Noah. Had a real cracker of a year, including a match against Goji Izaki that was just amazing. Uh, Nakajima's new theme this year actually was first put out a few years ago, but he only started using it as a theme this year. It's by an artist named K-Force, all caps. This is called Kickstart. So back on the Noah episode I did with Jojo Rumi a few months ago, we played Nakajima's previous theme, Genius of the Kick, and this is a sharp left turn from that. I mean, the old theme was this chaotic, guitar solo-heavy, choir-heavy song. This one, it's basically just a, a poppy rap song, um, a lot less hectic and less intense, but a lot more emotional and a lot more focused and, and triumphant sounding with the vocals and the chorus, and a lot more personal too, because K-Force wrote this song specifically about Nakajima. So I think it's a real maturation of his theme song, um, as he himself has matured as a wrestler, John. Yeah, and, um, you know, I was meaning to ask, I know you t you sent it to me, when did he start using this theme specifically? I believe it was the N1 Victory Tour. Oh, okay, so that's perfect, because I think Genius of the Kick is so good, it's so memorable, it's so big and dumb in all the best ways. And this one isn't, but I think with the character that Nakajima's become, Genius of the Kick wasn't really appropriate. And uh, with that context, I appreciate this theme a little more. I do think it veers a little too much into like, okay, real song and away from big wrestler theme. But I do think a, a change is appropriate for this, uh, this current like brooding Congo version of Nakajima. Yeah, yeah. And of course, there's the obvious kicking pun with Kickstart. Right. The, the song just it feels so appropriate for him and where he is in his career. Um, I did translate the lyrics as best I could. Uh, this is a rough translation, mind you. Um, but I think the chorus says a lot. Today is the ideal. Hands up. It's time for you to wake up. All of that will happen sometime. Never, ever. I gotta believe. Just stand up. Until you burn yourself, blaze up. 
If you get this voice, never say never. All right now, blow away. No hesitation, go my way. There's something I can't give away. Leave a footprint, kickstart. To me, this is music for someone on the verge of that next level, who is about to step up in a big way, and they just need that extra bit of motivation to get there. It's time for you to wake up. I gotta believe. Just stand up. Never say never. No hesitation. Leave a footprint. Kickstart. Like, this is your time. Don't look back. Make your moment. And this year, Nakajima took a big step up as a character um, in terms of his matches, his feuds with Kano and, and Shiyazaki, and joining Kongo as well. Like, he kickstarted, no pun intended, the next stage of his career. And I think this music signifies that in a big way. Yeah, and I think, you know, the whole the whole idea of needing the kickstart to uh, into that next uh, level, I think, is reflected in his year. You know, the way... Um, these rivalries with like Shizaki and Kano are are like the fuel for this mean, brooding murderer he's become this year. Uh, and you know, and whatever whatever's going on, it's working because that dude had my favorite year in all of wrestling. Uh, I think Nakajima is like the best wrestler in the world right now. So uh, yeah, he got a uh, he, he found the kickstart. <laughs> it worked. It all it all fell into place. Right, right. It's funny, like, Nakajima has been great for almost his entire career, you know, like, since he was 16 years old or whatever. But getting a song like this, it just adds a new element to your character because, you know, it has lyrics and tone. And I said this on the Noah episode, too, but it really does stand out from the themes of Noah past, like Misawa and Kobashi, or, or present, like Kiyomiya and Shiyazaki. You know, those themes don't have introspective, melancholic lyrics like... It doesn't matter. I was afraid of losing again. I want to forget it and it hurts. Tinnitus in cold words. It's not where I keep going, unraveling and nodding, and move on to new days. So a theme like this will stand out from other ones, um, especially from like Kano, who is his rival and stablemate and has a theme that is, you know, very hardcore, angry punk music. Yeah, and um, the, that contrast against other themes... Uh, less so from Kano, but that the contrast from Kimia and Shiyazaki, uh, I think is important and didn't exist with Genius of the Kick. I think Genius of the Kick really fell in line with the rest of those themes. Uh, and I think that's, uh, and actually, you know, because these are translated lyrics, I really didn't pay that much attention to them initially until right before we came on. And there's really a lot going on here. This really is much more thoughtful a piece of music than uh especially from a lyric standpoint than really anything else we're talking about here i think um and i think that's really interesting especially because i didn't know the song was written for nakajima uh and that's yeah i mean that's that's really cool uh and especially like you said the way it contrasts from other themes uh in turn with him becoming this like brooding like sit on the corner with my hood up and uh you know not walk out with my stable mates this grumpy Nakajima that he's become. I do wonder why it took a few years before he added as a theme song, because this did come out in 2018. So and w was it released with the knowledge that it was meant for Nakajima? What's the, what's well, the, the story? Well, the song is described as being inspired by Nakajima, and they even did a music video with him in it. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Yeah, he's like working out in the gym and the ring and... K-Force is like rapping in a cave somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what the story is as to why they waited so long for him to get the theme. Because um, it is really good. 
They were just waiting for him to turn on Shizaki. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. Uh, one more AEW theme here, and this is for a tag team FTR, uh, formerly The Revival. Um, I did not make that pun on purpose, by the way. <laughs> that was a complete <laughs> accident there. <laughs> it's uh, it's Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood, a.k.a. FTR Hair and FTR Bald. Uh, they had a mixed bag of a year in terms of their critical success, but I'm sure they're a lot happier now than where they used to be. Uh, their theme is by Matt Kuhn, who is the producer for Conrad Thompson's podcasts. How about that? Their song is called Old School Raised. So I'll start off with the good. As far as FTR goes, this is definitely the right genre. You know, when you have a team who pride themselves on being a quote-unquote southern-style tag team, you give them a southern rock song as their theme. Makes total sense. And the same is true for them in WWE. Um, and speaking of which, the opening with the Say Yeah is a good callback to the stinger of their WWE theme. Um, after that, I start to run out of nice things to say, John. <laughs> Yeah, you know, this might surprise you. So I remember when this theme first came out, and I remember everyone dumping on it. And the most scathing thing I could say about it is when I listen to it for... And I've, I watch Dynamite almost every week. I've seen every pay-per-view. I've watched maybe all but one time FTR has been in the ring in AEW. When I put this song on to get ready for the podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, I have heard this before. <laughs> so it definitely, it definitely didn't stick with me the way it should. But objectively listening to it now, I don't hate it the way I thought I would or the way other people do. I think it's a little off the mark as far as tone. I think that like, wow, riff is a little more like obnoxious than rocking. Um, but the most striking thing to me was I never noticed this verse that's in it. And I didn't know that this song was by Matt Coon. But this is definitely the guy talking those ads on the Conrad <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I know that voice. Uh, yeah, he's got this like interesting verse um, where they reference the Midnight Express. Um, so, see, to me, I think the, the, the most depth wrestling theme lyrics should have is maybe I'm an ass man. Uh <laughs> This goes a little deeper than <laughs> I prefer. It asks me to listen a little too much. But I don't hate it. I mean, like, it's loud, it's dynamic, it's inoffensive. And I know that all those things weren't enough for me with the Thunder Rosa theme, but I I, I think it works okay here. I don't hate it that much. I think where it loses me is with the vocals. Like, the music is fine, I get it. And they're going for the, you know, I'm a tough southern man, do-do-do-do thing. But they just sound so cheap and, and poorly done. And I think maybe if they were sung better or the production was better, I wouldn't be so down on this one. 
I mean, he does perform the verse like he's doing an ad read for Conrad's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not great. And I think these like, eh, I mean, I know it, it was the opposite for the Nakajima theme because that was based around a vocal. Here, I think this vocal gets in the way of what could have just been like a guitar riff to walk out of. I do think it's the worst part of the song. And I do think it sounds like crap. Um, I think he did it through like the same weird phaser effect. He does the podcast sign offs with. Um, so is Matt Kuhn a listener? Um, <laughs> now he's not. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I've, I've crossed you, not anymore. I've crossed you Rocky Romero and Matt Kuhn, I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think this is one of those cases where I just remember everyone hating this so much that I'm pleasantly surprised that I don't completely hate it. But not a great theme. No, not great. I think there's something to it as well that it's a little tiring just how much they lean into the whole, we're an old school real tag team thing. Like, you know, uh, the old tag ropes and the rules and doing all the classic double team moves. Like, after a while, we get it. And, you know, for all their talk of being like, we're the best tag team, we're a real tag team, hmm, they haven't necessarily lived up to all the hype from when they first came into the company. So I think, admittedly, that does play a part as well as to why I'm not really big on this theme song, besides the quality. And I do think there's a more effective way to express that than have Matt Kuhn reference the Midnight Express. Like, I think you get that vibe that they're a team of a bygone era. I think you can do that through just the music. I think you can do that with, like, an Almond Brothers lick. You know what I mean? And I just think, like, the approach to some of, to getting some of these things across to be, like, a super-affected vocal is super misguided. Uh, and I think that is especially the case here. I, I shouldn't need to go on Genius.com to find out that this song is calling upon, uh, you know, a different time in tag team wrestling. I think there are more clever and uh, understated ways to do that. Right, right. So, yeah, you know, overall, I'd say FTR have not blown everybody away. Um, there's been some disappointment, I think. But um, but then again, they had the match with the Bucks, and that was pretty freaking awesome. So, you know, it's not all bad, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that match was great. That match was really great. That match, like, that the whole, like, trope of using other people's finishers to, like, uh, to highlight the history of a company or a feud, I think is real a real tight rope walk uh i think it can really be a little too heavy-handed but it it worked i bought it completely in that match and i mean i don't think ft much like this theme i don't think ftr has been as disappointing as other people have felt i don't think this touches their uh the highs of their nxt run but honestly i think when we look back we're just going to remember the bucks match and this whole thing will have been a net positive. Yeah, they haven't been, like, bad, per se. You know, I'm not saying that, of course. But when you're coming in with, like, such high expectations and following the footsteps of the American Alpha matches and the DIY matches, when you don't live up to the hype of those, then people will be let down, I think, and, and maybe turned off, too. Um, but I thought the Bucks match did reach those heights for me. It did. And I also think that they've benefited from, uh, and this doesn't, this isn't the case for everybody. But they've benefited from being in control of their own promos and characters, especially now that they've had some time to settle in. Like, I enjoy uh, Hair and Bald on the mic. Uh, I think they do a good job, like, getting across being these, like, uh, these these wrestlers who feel like their value hasn't been appreciated or that 
their favorite style of wrestling has been compromised. I think they do a good job of it. And uh, if anything, in a weird way, it's kind of made me a bigger fan of theirs than I was in NXT. I know, and which makes no sense (laughs) (laughs) because they were objectively having better matches. But uh, I feel more like I know who they are. They, They make things matter a little more to me in AEW, even if the matches aren't quite as good. So the second to last theme of the episode here will be another WWE theme, and it's for Rey Mysterio Jr. Jr. That's right, Dominic Mysterio, who made his debut in wrestling this year and captured all of our hearts, defending the honor of his dad's ripped-out eyeball. Uh, Dominic's theme is again by Def Rebel, featuring Sergio Veneno, V12. This is Vengo Por Ti. Vengo Porti, um, a.k.a. the song version of He is Ray's son. Do you get it? He's his son. Remember that. Do you get it? Remember that. Like, it cannot be more blatant how much this song is trying to ape Ray's theme. You know, the Buika Buika 619 stuff. The similar melody is Ray's theme. Da, 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 da. The mix of English and Spanish you know, lyrics. It's so on the nose. While at the same time being like, this is the new generation. This is Dominic Mysterio. It's his time. He's coming for you. And, you know, we've seen this before many times, like with Charlotte, of course. This is just the latest example of that, of trying to be like, it's the new guy, but remember his dad? So it's recognizable, but the only reason it's recognizable is because it's a takeoff of race theme. Yeah, but, but you know... And you're right. It's probably not fair for me to give this theme so much credit because it's just a retread of a theme that already succeeded. But I gotta tell you, I think it works on every possible level. You know, it, it tells you everything you gotta know. This is Ray's kid without having a verse that's like, and I'm Ray's kid. Uh, even though it probably does have a verse that I missed where it goes, and I'm Ray's kid. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it took Ray's theme... And it modernized it a little bit. Not that Ray's theme is some ancient piece of music. But, uh, I don't know. I thought it just made Ray's theme a little more, like, current. Uh, and because it was working off Ray's theme, it couldn't fall into some of the tropes I don't like in wrestling now. And honestly, like, in wrestling themes now, that is. And, um, honestly, like, I feel the same way about... I I only bring it up because you just mentioned it, but I feel the same way about Charlotte's theme. Call back to what it is, you know? And but but with Dominic especially like Dominic has not carved out anything but being Ray's kid, um, so it's particularly appropriate. But this is you really curated this list very well because you put all the stuff I didn't like right in the middle, so it doesn't make too much of a curmudgeon. I think this theme rules. I think this is a killer theme, and uh, you know if I have to watch Dominic Mysterio wrestle again, I'm glad I at least get to hear this song. 
<laughs> yeah, you hit the nail on the head in regards to, you know, at, at this point, it's so early on that everything about Dominic is tied to his dad. His name, um, all his feuds and matches have involved Ray in some way. He does the 619. Like, his whole identity revolves around Rey Mysterio. And that's not his fault, of course. I'm not blaming him. Again, we've seen this before many times, but when he's coming out to Buyaka 619 2020 version, it's hard to really, you know, envision him as his own man. Um, not impossible, because, again, someone like Charlotte did eventually forge her own legacy in a way, but it's hard, um, especially with Rey still there. So, while I do think this is a fine song, um, when you start so blatantly in the hole like this, it can be difficult to get out of. Yeah, but I also, I don't know, maybe this isn't fair, can't concern myself with it, because I don't know if I buy a future for Dominic. And it's not to say I think Dominic's bad um, for what he is. Um, I've seen, um, where was the Dominic match with Seth? Was it an I quit? There was a pay-per-view one-on-one with Seth. Uh, I believe it was a street fight at uh, SummerSlam. Yeah, that was cool. And I mean, I know he just got walked through a match with by Seth Rollins, but I bet you a lot of people would do a lot worse than he did getting walked through a big match at SummerSlam. And if I'm not mistaken, he had like like this sort of like homage to his dad, but with a hood gear at that show. Uh, so, you know, Dominic's cool, but like, it, I don't know how you get out of being Ray's kid. And I don't know how, where's he going to go develop? You can't, you can't, you can't backtrack from where he is now and he's not going to succeed learning on the fly. So I'm not even concerned about his future. I have a feeling a year from now, we're going to be like, Oh yeah, Ray had a kid who wrestled for a minute. Um, I hope I wish the best for him. I think he's been fine, but I think this is like a quick flash of Dominic being a wrestler. And the theme is completely appropriate for all we're going to get out of him. We'll see. We'll see what happens with him. Um, he hasn't wrestled a ton. I know that. Only like 10 matches so far. Um, but we'll see what the future has in store for him. That's for sure. Um, it's funny. I was wondering, like, other wrestlers who are second generation, what if they had songs that were, like, also super close to their parents? Like, if Cody Rhodes was first starting out and his theme was, he's just a common boy working hard with his toys. Like, it's too close, man. Yeah, Come on. That's, but, that's, that's very but, true. But listen, I mean. like, if he does stick around for the long haul... And he can get out of the the very, very, very large shadow of his very, very, very small dad. <laughs> then, you know, all the best to him. I hope he does succeed, you know. Yeah. I mean, having a second generation Rey Mysterio would be... Or wait, it's the third, right? Rey was Mysterio Sr. was his uncle, not his okay. dad. Okay. Okay. Well, either way, I'm, I'd be happy to have, uh, you know, another Mysterio out there if he can even halfway live up to his dad uh hell a quarter of live up to his dad not in stature but in uh in his work but uh i'm rooting for him i just think he really is uh it's a steep road for him yeah uh, yeah from, from the way he started yeah right right so the final theme of the episode here, and we will end on a happy note because it's a theme from Dragon Gate, and it's the theme for the new stable Team Boku, which is Naruki Doi, Ryo Saito, Punch Tamanaga, and the man currently known as Boku Timo Dragon, aka Boku R Shimizu. Uh, the Team Boku theme is a new version of Shimizu's old theme. It's by Kogashu. This is Downtown Taste Blues. Team Boku version. 
So this theme is just, it's so lovely. It's so bouncy and delightful. It makes me smile whenever I hear it, which is the point, you know? And whenever I do hear it, it makes me think of like the opening to a kid's show, which is no coincidence because the Ryotsu Shimizu character with the uniform and the, the painted on eyebrows, that is based on a police officer character from an anime called Kochi Kame. So him having this fun, lighthearted song is no big shock. The difference, though, is that with the original version, it has the hey, hey, hey in it, and this one, it goes ice, 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 because the Tiboku catchphrase is oisu. Um, so this one gets a big thumbs up from me, John. I love it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could, I could do a whole episode about this song in Team Boku. Uh, I love Team Boku. I love, uh, you know, when, when, when you asked me, do this. I said the only current day themes that I do think succeed and are memorable across the board are in Dragon Gate and uh, this is no exception. Uh, and I'm glad you cleared up the context of the Ryosu Shimizu character because I knew there was some kind of anime reference happening, but like most anime references, I was completely in the dark. <laughs> um, but uh, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the Godzilla version of Brain Stew by Green Day. Um, are you familiar? Oh, definitely. Yeah, that, that's the one that goes. Dun-dun, 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 right. Dun-dun. But then they released the Godzilla version for the Godzilla soundtrack that just adds Godzilla roaring between every <laughs> chord hit. And this one adds the oise, and it's a different song. And it's a great song. Uh, I think this seems great. It's instantly memorable. Uh, the classic uh, Shimizu entrance to it, where he does that big dumb walk, I love so much. I love when he brought that character back for a minute uh, this year, and I love that uh, Team Boku's coming out to it. I think Team Boku is so great. <laughs> a great thing to do with those four guys now that the rest of the companies become so heavy and chaotic. Uh, and I think this song is perfectly appropriate for it. And they also changed the lyrics, too, to match the current story, because the original version of the song, from what I can gather is about walking around the lovely city and protecting people and the, the eyebrows and all that stuff. Like, it's about the police officer character. And in this one, it tells a different story. Uh, again, a rough translation. Shake off the red wickedness. Gather together. Wear a t-shirt dyed in blue sky blue. And put our unwavering pose on your index finger. Now I'm with you. Ice, ice, ice. Even now that the line of eyebrows is closed, I still hold it in my heart. Let's make a revolution for us, by us. So it tells the story of Shimizu leaving our ED, shaking off, quote-unquote, the red wickedness, and putting on the blue t-shirt with Team Boku, and doing the Oisu pose with the finger, and the sense of camaraderie with the team. It's all right there in the song. So I like how they didn't just put the Oise in there, they changed the entire lyrics, too. Oh, I didn't even know that happened. I And, and the lyrics... 
specifically referenced that he doesn't do the eyebrow thing anymore. <laughs> That's so I love Dragon Gate so much. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I had no idea. Uh, shame on me. That completely negates my Godzilla Green Day joke, which I've been waiting five days to say on this podcast. Um, no, but that that's that's so great, and uh, I love. I don't know how the operation works at Dragon Gate with their theme songs, but I love how they can just like crank out these alterations on the fly. I love how uh, Boku Boku. How do you, how do you say it? Boku Timo Boku- Dragon. Okutimo uh, has the uh, has Shimizu singing separados. As yeah. <laughs> Every time I hear that and I hear the harmonies come in, I'm like, I pray someone else had to come in and sing the separados harmonies over again over Shimizu singing the lead. Um, stuff like that, just I get a kick out of, and that's yeah. But like I said, I didn't I didn't know that the the new lyrics reference. Uh, Team Boku. That's a that's a very cool detail. Yeah, and the irony is that this was originally Shimizu's singles theme, and it became the Team Boku theme. And you'd think he'd still come out to it, but now that he's Boku Timo Dragon, he's just using his own version of Separados, and he's doing the Ultimo Dragon thing of coming out by himself because it's a parody of Ultimo Dragon. That's what he does. So I just find it funny that he doesn't even use his own song anymore. <laughs> and and that's just one of like many ways that. I think a lot of people are disappointed in Boku, not just for it being like a comedy group in a lot of ways, but also because people wanted so much more out of uh, Shimizu. And But I think this is such a great placement for him. And them using this song is all of the indication you need that this is all just a big cocoon building around him until it's time for him to blow out of it with whatever big deal thing he's going to be. Uh, Shimizu's been in such like a an important spot in the ongoing R.E.D. drama, the Big Ben tag team earlier. Uh, everything's revolved around him. Both cage matches, the last two cage matches revolved around him in such a big way. Uh, and now, you know, they just took four rookies and are pumping them all into prominent spots. Everyone can't be a killer at once. And Shimizu's like proven he can handle this load of being like he's had... It takes a very strong performer to do all the dumb shit Shimizu's done uh, in the last couple months. And uh, them using this theme song, I think, is a great nod to this really, appropriately, all being about him. Yeah, it's just so lovely. And, and Dragon Gate, um, I did start following it a lot more closely this year, and it's just been a total blast. You know, other promotions have disappointed me in one way or another, but Dragon Gate has just been so great. And it's the promotion that I'm just looking forward to following the most in the new year, because they have a lot of pieces in place to be great, like the new Masquerade unit with Shun Skywalker and the guys, uh, Ben K, KZ, all the veterans who are still great, like Doi and Susumu, and all these amazing rookies like SB Kento and Hip Hop Kakuda, who are the future of wrestling. It, it feels like we're on the verge of something monumental with this company. And you know, myself, you, um, almost everyone at BOW nowadays has hopped aboard the Dragon Gate train. And it's going to be just a real fun ride. Yeah. And I mean, just to touch on what you said, I mean, if you look up and down the roster, that's me making like the case for Shimizu being part of this. That's something I disagree with. But the rest of the roster, Masquerade is an internet nerd, wrestling nerd's dream. It's all the young guys put into like an ass kicker stable where they have the best match of the show every night. Uh, the uh, Shun and Ben K getting like these lightning pushes into the title scene. Uh, all the rookies, uh, 
uh, SB Kento and Kakuda and uh, Estrella. Um, and there's someone else. On, oh, Taketo yeah, Kamei. Yeah, like just being in these prominent spots and living up to them. Uh, up and down the, the, the Kaido Ishida, uh, Kaisuke Akuda feud. The whole, the whole thing, top to bottom, is stuff I'd rave about. Uh, it'd be a hot, any one of these storyline points would be a thing I'd rave about on their own in a different company. Um, really, Dragon Gate's fuck wild right now. Uh, they're hitting on all cylinders. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. And, uh, John, thank you for being here. This was a lot of fun. Uh, certainly a very honest episode in a lot of ways, uh, both from you and myself. Uh, we definitely were not shy about our opinions about certain themes, but um, still, this was great, and you were tremendous on your debut. Oh, thanks. I'm glad. Yeah, this was easy um, in a good way. Uh, well, I guess there is no bad way. I guess it'd be bad if it was difficult to be on your podcast. <laughs> but uh, no, you know, I was nervous about uh, coming in here and shitting on all these themes, but I ended up liking half of them, and uh, I had a great time. Thanks for having me on. Any plugs you want to give, go right ahead. Oh, yeah, here, let me go. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Fatman's All Right. Um, if enough of you follow me, maybe I'll actually tweet about wrestling. <laughs> um, I play in a band called Timeshares. I also play for the uh, couple songwriters I'm friends with, Maxwell Stern and Roger Harvey. If you look up any of them on Spotify or whatever you use, you could find some stuff I've played on probably. And, uh, you know, and I write for Voices of Wrestling. Find me on, uh, look for my name on some Voices of Wrestling stuff. And I hope you like it. And thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Music of the Met is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. You can discuss this or other topics at the VOW Discord. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate and click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Oh, one more thing, too. The 2020 New Japan Year in Review ebook is coming out very, very soon. Uh, VOW does it every single year. Uh, we've got essays, profiles, uh, stats, artwork, results, the whole nine yards pretty much about the year that was in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I wrote for it again this year. Uh, John, did you do anything for it? Uh, I didn't have a column, but I appear in a couple sections. I have some stuff in there. Right. Okay. So yeah, most everyone at VOW does something for the book. It's a real team effort. And uh, and yeah, just keep an eye out for it at uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter. And um, of course, I'll tweet about it and I'll plug it again on here when it does come out. But uh, but yeah, John, thank you again and I'll see you around. Yeah, thanks for having me as always. Thanks. All right. For John Hernandez, I'm Andrew Rich. 2020 is in the books. Thank fucking God for that. <laughs> Later. And I'll see you next time in 2021 on Music of the Met. Take care, guys. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.